Football is back and right now Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets including first, last or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members it's the world's favourite online betting company. We've got wall-to-wall Premier League football with games being played nearly every day and with Bet365 Bet Builder you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals and more to create your own personal bets. And if you can't watch the games live with Bet365's Match Lives feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Welcome to the Molyneux View podcast with me, Jackie Oatley, and your Wolves correspondent for The Athletic, Tim Spears. Hi, Tim. Dame Jackie Oatley. Hello to you. (laughs) Behave. On this week's podcast, analysis of the 2-0 defeat at home by Arsenal and a preview of their swift opportunity to put things right with a trip to Sheffield United on Wednesday evening. Former Wolves defender Richard Stearman's our special guest. He's played for Sheffield United as well since leaving Wolves, so he has plenty of insight for us. By the way, you can read all of Tim's extensive insight into Wolves via The Athletic, so sign up now for a 30-day free trial. And you can also read some of the best other football writing in the business. Plus, you can get podcasts without any adverts right up until the end of the Premier League season. Just visit theathletic.co.uk forward slash wolvespod. That's theathletic.co.uk forward slash wolvespod. Now, Tim, you may or may not know this, but this is our 25th full episode of The Molyneux View since we started the podcast in January. And believe it or not, it's only the second time that we're recording following a Premier League defeat. Nice stats. The only previous one was... January the 27th, that was our second ever pod, and that was after Wolves had lost 2-1 at home to Liverpool on the Thursday night. So this is the first ever pod since a weekend Premier League defeat. So it's a bit of an unusual feeling. We're feeling a little bit strange about our approach this week. It's so different to usual. Yeah, no, you're right, unusual. Looking at the Arsenal game, Wolves had a full week to prepare. Arsenal didn't. They had a midweek game. Were you surprised by Wolves' approach to the game, or is it a case of giving Arsenal more credit than that? I mean, you talk about reflecting on a defeat. There's so much negativity around, by the way. Just <laughs> Twitter, all the Is questions we've me? had this week. <laughs> all the questions we've had this week. Twitter, for the last 48 hours, has been, been so negative after one. I, I, you know, I don't know if everyone's expectations are a little bit too high and people have got a little bit carried away. Not least us, last week, <laughs> saying how great Wolves were for about an Speak hour. Speak for yourself, by the way. <laughs> well, I did a big piece last week saying, kind of highlighting why Wolves are so good. And yeah, I'm glad I got it out of the way before Saturday. Um, yeah, reflections. I thought Nuno um, has to take some of the blame. Obviously, the players do as well. But in hindsight, or even with foresight, really, Traore as, as, a, as a front man alongside Jimenez doesn't work for me, doesn't fit. And I think Arsenal gave Wolves a lot of respect and probably vice versa, but too much respect. I think Wolves gave Arsenal. I would have liked to have seen them go 3-4-3, take them on uh, man-to-man, get Traore in his best position. I mean, we ended up seeing Traore in three different positions on Saturday. He, He started up front, then he was right forward, and then he ended up as wing back. And for your best and most explosive player, 
since lockdown, certainly. Um, that's not going to get the best use out of him. And, and we, you know, we, we had Dave Edwards made some very articulate points um, last week, and I'd still I'd urge people to listen. You know, it's not result dependent. He just gave some great reflections on his time at Wolves and what he thinks of the current setup. And even after Traore made a positive impact in helping set up the winner at Villa, Dave still said it doesn't feel right that he that he's playing there. You know, it's not his natural position. A little bit fish out of water. Doesn't quite know where to be. Um, should he be off the last man? Should he be coming deep to collect the ball up? Should he be veering out wide? It's not that clear to me. So, but there's a bit of a conundrum. <laughs> do you go three four three, which gets the best from Traore, or do you go three five two, which gets the, gets the best from Jota? Arguably, you know, a year ago, just over a year ago, um, Jota tore Arsenal to shreds at Molyneux and Wolves won three one, and it could have been more. And that was playing a three-five-two. So playing three-five-two doesn't necessarily have to be defensive, as 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 I think people kind of jump to as a conclusion, because you bring Dendonka in for solidity in midfield. But it's an issue going forward. Um, and I, th- I thought we learned we learned quite a bit on Saturday. Actually, I, I, you know, we haven't had to talk about Wolves' squad depth very much, but I, th- I think we learned a bit about that as well because Jamatino had, had a stinker. Uh, nothing he did came off. I thought he had a poor game. I thought he looked knackered towards the end as well. Um, and he was taken off, wasn't he, from Morgan Gibbs-White. He had a poor game. He was involved with, with both goals that were conceded as well. On the first one, he didn't close down Cedric Suarez and he was able to just play in the ball that led to the goal. Uh, and then for the second one, again, lack of closing down. Is that psychological fatigue, do you think? Because we keep talking week on week about how fit these players are. Or is it a case that he's slightly ageing? Or is it the fact that he just plays so much football for Wolves? And also the fact, psychologically... That he knows he's he's going to see out games because there isn't really a like for like midfielder on the bench who's really pushing him for his place. That's it, and that's the point I'm making. Not not just with him, but with Jimenez, who I thought had a, a, wasn't terrible, but had an average day. And the thing you can say about Jimenez and Martino is there are no direct replacements on the bench. And yes, you've got Campana, but you know I, I, he's, we haven't seen a minute of him, so I, I can't judge if he's ready for for first team football, but. It would suggest not because Nuno just doesn't want to use him. So yeah, absolutely right. Matino and Jimenez, two of your key players, no replacements on the bench if they're having a bad day or if they're fatigued or whatever. And then Arsenal send on Lacazette to seal the game. That's the quality they've got on the bench, which shows that I mean, obviously we know that Arsenal as a club are way ahead of Wolves in terms of resources and 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 what they can do on and off the field. But that's that's what Wolves are aiming at now. That's what they're aiming for. They're aiming to be a Champions League club and it's something they need to rectify in the summer because Patino is 34 um, soon and he's not going to have long left. So they need to be looking for a, a long-term replacement for him this summer. Because it is interesting with players, top players you could argue should be at their best every week. But also when you hear them interviewed, often they'll admit that having competition for their place is a very healthy thing that keeps them on their toes a lot of top players who look at the bench and think well he could come on for me any minute if I'm not in my game and it's not the case with many players at Wolves it hasn't been something we've really had to think about so far but we do talk week on week about how there is no replacement for Jimenez and whenever um, his baby is born around July time that that's going to cause Wolves problems and they don't score enough goals as it is. Yeah, absolutely right. I was reading up about Emmy Martinez's time at Wolves before the game because obviously he had a spell on loan from Arsenal in 2015-16 and Kenny Jackett was saying how Carl Hakimi's performances had really improved that season because of the competition that, that he had. And yeah, it's true, certainly for some players, you know, that they, they thrive off that. And as you say, it's not a problem, not been an issue 
for Wolves uh, in the past three years. Nuno likes the idea that his players know they're going to get game time every week because he's only got a squad of 18. But yeah, when you're asking these guys to be playing, Wolves are going to hit 60 games this year. That's a lot and you're going to have off days, of course you are, and you're going to have times when you're not 100% fit and you're going to have times where you're tactically outdone, as was the case, I think, on Saturday. You know, I've got to say, full credit to Arsenal, they were far better than I thought they'd be. They were far more organised than I thought they'd be. But Wolves just didn't trouble them enough and it felt like Wolves were playing at the level that they've shown for the last three games and they've got through those games pretty comfortably. But Arsenal were were, were at a different level. Um it's just frustrating. They didn't trouble them enough at all. I mean, they've had one shot on target inside 20 seconds. That was it for the whole game, wasn't it? That was it. And then they've got David Luiz isolated once, which is when Traore had him on toast and, and he and he couldn't handle it. So he fouled him and he got booked. We didn't see that again. And know. that was out wide, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So we needed to see more of that. But hey, this is what Wolves do to teams week in, week out. And I thought, you know, the way that Arsenal played it was very similar to how Wolves do. Wolves love to get down the flanks and we didn't see Traore or Neto get to the byline at all really certainly certainly that's where a lot of joy comes from for Wolves down the flanks but Arsenal encouraged them to go inside and they were running into cul-de-sacs time and time again um, so they sort of out Wolves, Wolves really. And there's a rare mistake by Willy Bolly. We've been saying week after week about how he's like a, a wall, isn't he? But he um, he was at fault as well as Matinho not closing down Cedric Suarez. He didn't intercept the ball that led to the opening goal. And what do you put that down to? Is that just lack of concentration? Or is it the fact that he had this uh, Twitter Q&A in the week that was highly entertaining, but every single question seemed to be about how perfect he was? Maybe it went to his head. <laughs> Yeah, it was sort of a perfect storm, really. They were doing things that they don't normally do, and we had a few individual errors. The set pieces were atrocious. I don't know what they were playing at. They'd obviously um, thought up a few new ideas on the training ground, but <laughs> that one where Saiz takes it in the first half instead of Neves, like, what are they doing? And then in the second half, Matinho just passed it straight to Jota and it got cut out. I mean, you just wanted to stick it in the box. They were doing some strange things. Uh, you know, Cody made a couple of mistakes. Matt Doherty was barely in the game which I completely blame myself for again because I tweeted before the game that he was going to have a big one. and Because he, he's an Arsenal fan. Because <laughs> he's an Arsenal fan. He's, he's always played well against them. And yeah, he got subbed off because he was so bad. So um, yeah, the, the, I, I think it's a bump in the road. I, I, I honestly do. I, I, I'm backing them because whenever we write them off, they go and prove us wrong. I'm backing them to, to react and, and get six or seven points from the next three games I am but Arsenal did did show them did show other teams a bit of a template for how to stop them particularly at Molyneux where their record hasn't hasn't been that good this season they're much better on the road and I think the formation is definitely a talking point going forward Nuno prefers 3-5-2 and I really believe that it gives you that extra protection and Traore is the problem really in a, in a very good way because you've got to try and accommodate him in in, in this team. Um, but when he's contributing to almost every goal that you score, I don't know how you don't have him on the pitch, because you look at the shots that they've had in the past few games, they've had five shots on target in three matches. They had six against West Ham on target. In the last three games, they've had five, and, and only one on Saturday. So Traore is the man that's going, to, um, that's going to rectify that, if anybody, because he's so explosive and... Either he's setting up goals or he'll score the odd one or he'll attract four or five players out of the way and become the, the ultimate distraction tactic. Um, but Jota's got to get back in the team for me. You know, I know he's not quite at the level that he was a year ago, but when he's on song, he's, um, 
he's almost Wolves' best player for me, and he's um, he's unstoppable. A year ago, when he when he was getting Wolves upfield forty yards, you know, in, in a couple of seconds, his strength, direct pace, skill, trickery, his link up with Jimenez. I think we need to get him back into this team. For me, we'll talk about it a bit later, but I'd probably go back to three five two with aiming to bring Traore on from an hour to have an impact in the second half. That's worked well for them recently. It certainly does. And also when you look at the lack of goals, relatively speaking, the side, we're not going all doom and gloom this week, are we, just because it is one defeat, but it does highlight a few issues, of course. And looking at Wolves' top goal scorers for all competitions, Raul Jimenez has 24, 15 in the league. Jota has 15, 6 in the league. And then you're down to Matt Doherty, your right wing back, with 7, 4 in the league. Adama Traore, 6 goals in all competitions four in the Premier League and you compare that to Manchester United who they were up until a few days ago looking to finish above and they've got Martial 20 goals, Rashford 20 goals, Greenwood an 18 year old 15 goals and they look like they've got loads of options don't they? Martial scoring his first hat-trick recently and of course they've got Bruno Fernandes in midfield who's chipping in with plenty of goals, penalties as well. They have options and it's not so much criticism for this season because, of course, Wolves have overachieved and they're still going strong in the Europa League and that could well bring Champions League glory at the end of it were they to win it. Um, but again, in terms of looking at what they prioritise in the summer, as well as getting an alternative to Raul, is it a case of more goals from elsewhere too? But I think that would take a change in mindset and I'm, I don't know if Nuno's got that in his makeup. You know, if you look at his career... He's very much about um, safety first, clean sheet first and foremost. You know, you build from the back, very solid defence. He was exactly the same at Porto. He was exactly the same at Wolves, really. I know they scored a lot of goals in the Championship, but they rarely gave teams a hiding. It was always about protecting that clean sheet first and foremost and building from the back. That's what he does. Maybe that's why um, other clubs haven't haven't really, really looked at him yet. You know, he's a, he's a conservative manager. He is. And Wolves have perfected and honed this style of um, sitting deep, soaking up pressure and hitting teams on the break. They do it magnificently. That's what earned them so many points against the big six last season who were happy to to sort of play into their hands, really. And in recent weeks, we've seen a different kind of style, more of a possession-based, um, not so much relying on counter-attack or pace, you know, trying to overload teams down the flanks. But going forward, is is he going to change his spots, Nuno? Or, or you know, has he got that in him to, to create a more of an attack-minded team? Were he to do that, were he to maybe change his Wolves formation, bring in a creative number 10, which you know they've never had because that doesn't fit into their system, does that then ruin what you've got? Does that then um, put a crack in the foundations of what you've built up over three years, this this five at the back with protection from midfield? You know, Once you start to sacrifice that, do Wolves become um, a less effective team? It's a really interesting conundrum going forward, but I think if Wolves want to, if Wolves want to become one of the one of the biggest teams in the country, then they will have to do that eventually because you can't get to where they want to go with the goal difference they've got now. Um, but Nuno knows that. But I'll be very interested to know what his thoughts are, you know, going forward for the next season or two as, as to how this team evolves from this very high standpoint that they've got to. Exactly. A reminder: they are overachieving by about a couple of seasons, in fact. And the goal difference you mentioned there is plus nine. Manchester United's just above them is plus 23. Now, there's only one team in the entire league that has lost fewer matches than Wolves, and that is the champions, Liverpool, who have only lost two games. Manchester City have lost nine this season, two of them, of course, to Wolves. And Wolves have only lost seven. I mean, Chelsea have lost 10, uh, Leicester have lost nine. 
It is incredible. So defensively, generally speaking, they are very solid. But out of 33 Premier League games, they have only scored in the first half in five matches, all of which they've gone on to win. That is absolutely extraordinary. And I went on the a website this morning that shows first half, second half tables. And to see Wolves rock bottom, three points adrift of Bournemouth, seven points adrift of the safety mark in first halves only, it is absolutely extraordinary. And it begs the question, why? I know we talked about it last week with Dave Edwards and he was great. How much of it is down to Wolves wanting to play a first half of seeing what the opposition are doing and then building from there, knowing their superior fitness um, work will come into play later on? And how much of it is a, a mentality that they think, well, we know we're good in the last half hour, we'll just fill people out? Why can't they score first? What's the matter with them? I think the mentality has grown as the season has gone on because that, that's what they're used to. But yes, Nuno, as, as we're saying, is a conservative manager. He likes his teams to bed in. They're not going to come out flying in the first 10 minutes, um, committing everyone forward, trying to get an early goal. It's not really in their makeup. And. <laughs> It's sort of. It seemed like a coincidence at the start of the season, but it feels more by more by design now. If I mean, if you look at the way they set up against West Ham and Villa, you know, leaving Traore on the bench, that's that's a ninety-minute game plan, isn't it? Right there, because Traore wasn't dropped. Um, he was he was placed on the bench with a specific intent of him coming on in the second half to do something um, to to create or score a goal. So like he's not he's not he's not dropping him. That's part of the game plan to to wear the opposition out. As you mentioned, Wolves is superior fitness levels to most teams, and this great record they've got of second half goals and coming from behind. So they know they can do it. So there's not that urgency in the first half an hour to score first and sit on it and protect that lead. The mentality is will keep things pretty tight and then in the second half that's when we come to life so yeah you're right it, it, it's, it, it has become a mentality has it become a problem not necessarily because look look where they're on the table but go, again going forward next season you can't have that kind of record and expect to be realistically fighting for Champions League every season so it's again it's more about the evolution of the team being comfortable committing more players forward in the first half knowing that your defence is strong enough to cope with what the opposition could throw at you in return but I think Wolves are a little bit They've got to evolve and grow up a little bit in that in that respect and trust themselves a bit more. When fans are allowed back in, could they maybe do last third of the game season ticket? So some people are a bit strapped for cash, could just come in <laughs> on the 60-minute mark to basically watch all the goals. Well, before Arsenal scored um, late in the first half on Saturday, it was going to be four goalless first halves in, in a row since lockdown and five if you count the Brighton game pre-lockdown so five league games in a row which has been goalless at the break and yeah it's not been entertaining I, I can tell you as a witness it's um, it's not been entertaining at all but they've been getting the results of course one result goes against them and all of a sudden it's a problem again the last time they scored in the first half in the league was on the 1st of March away at Tottenham when Doherty scored and the previous time before that was when Dendonka scored at home to Newcastle back in January. You called it extraordinary earlier, and that's absolutely right. It is really bizarre. I mean, so you have to look at that. I might tweet it out later, that table. It, the first half table in the Premier League is just a crazy, crazy thing to look at. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I've been keeping an eye on it all season, and, and they've, they've, they've been bottom of the table for forever. But yeah, in the in the second half, they're the third best team in the league, and they're, they're, they're fantastic at doing that. So it's uh, well, they were up until the weekend. You've given me the eyes on the Zoom. Now, ah, okay, yeah. see, so go, go. Um, <laughs> but they're very good at that. So yeah, but like I said, go, going forward, they've got to become more of a ninety-minute team, and I think that means trusting more um, in what you've got in defence and letting that hand break off a little bit. 
but can Nuno do that? What did you make of Nuno's post-match reaction? He said um, the sense of urgency wasn't there to chase the results. The rest of the game were a bit too passive. Yeah, it was a strange one. I mean, you, you wonder if that's where they missed the Molyneux crowd. I don't know if that's a bit too, too simplistic, but I don't know. It's a, it's a it's an interesting debate, that is. Southampton Man City yesterday, uh, as my colleague Adam Crafton pointed out on Twitter, Southampton played like they were being roared to a backs-to-the-wall 1-0 victory against one of the best teams in the world. Um, but of course, there were no fans there, so how do you account for that? But yeah, it did it did sort of feel to me that that, that they missed that Molyneux crowd some players will tell you it really does give you an extra five or ten percent, and you know it, do, it does make you sprint harder for the ball or fly into a tackle. Um, having said all this, Jackie, if Trey always scores when he's through one on one, I back them to go and win it. To be honest, because because that's what they do. Um, but but they made life far too comfortable for Arsenal. There's no doubt about that. Do you think there's anything at all in the fact that they played 52 games this season? They've got at least six more to go. Could be another nine. 61 games and. Over a year. Yeah, but they had two months off. Be quite something. They Is had, that completely irrelevant? They had more time off or away from the training ground than they would have done if in the normal post-season. So really, it's like starting the season again in August, isn't it? And we wouldn't be moaning about fatigue then. So no, I, I, I don't think so. Maybe psychologically, because this season started a year ago in July. So perhaps there's a psychological issue there. But no, but I don't think so, though, because they've got so much to fight for in this small period of six weeks, two months. But um, I, I don't. I don't think they're tired. No. Knowing Wolves inside out as you do, and knowing Nuno as well as probably anybody from the outside the dressing room could possibly know him. What do you think he will do against Sheffield United, as opposed to what you would want him to do? I th- I think he'll go three five two with Jota. I think they miss Jota when he doesn't play. They've got a better record with him in the team, and I think Traore goes back to the bench. Um, like he has done in the two away games they've played so far. And he can come on after an hour if, if they need him. And we're delighted to be joined by the former Wolves and Sheffield United defender Richard Stearman, who was born in Wolverhampton. He spent seven years at the club after signing from Leicester. And he's kind enough to talk to us now, despite preparing for a, a rather big game at Reading with his current club Huddersfield, who are in a relegation battle. Thanks for coming on the Molyneux View, Richard. No bother, thank you for having me. Just if we can get your thoughts on... Where it went wrong for Wolves against Arsenal, first of all? Well, they're obviously coming up against a, a, a strong team in Arsenal. Uh, it's, it's the only blip, really, Wolves have had uh, coming back after the lockdown. So, you know, they can take heart from the fact that they've they've started off quite well, where the other teams have struggled, possibly Sheffield United being one of them. So, um, you know, they shouldn't get too disheartened by losing to Arsenal. They just need to pick themselves up, dust themselves off and, and go again. So, do you think they've been perhaps... Uh, bigged up a little bit too much, bearing in mind that they'd restarted so well with three wins without conceding. Were people starting to talk about them in in rather inflated terms, bearing in mind they had only played three of the lower-ranked sides in the league? No, I don't think so. Any any points that you come by in the Premier League are are hard-earned and and Wolverhampton have, have, you know, they've performed fantastically well this season and and the previous season. I think their, their position is fully justified as to you know, how they've been playing and, and their points total is, like I say, it's fully deserved. So, um, you know, picking up three wins since coming back was was a great feat. But um, like I said, those those points were, were well deserved. Steers, mate, huge game on Wednesday between two of the, uh, well, almost surprise packages of the season. How tough are Sheffield United going to be to crack? And how will, how will they be set up, you know, from what you know of Chris Wilder and the players? Yeah, it's... It, 
it's going to be a great game, isn't it? I think Sheffield United, uh, like I said previously, one of the teams that have, have maybe struggled a little bit coming back um, after the lockdown, but they've, they've picked up in the last couple of games, uh, four points, a win and a draw. So, um, you know, they'll be they'll be looking forward to it. They're a, they're a very well-organised team. Um, they've got, you know, great size throughout the squad. Um, you know, they're going to be a physical match for Wolves and it's going to be a great game. I'm looking forward to it. Knowing Chris Wilder as you do, what do you think his approach will be both tactically and psychologically? You know, tactically with, with Sheffield United, it doesn't it doesn't really change too much um, from game to game. They, they obviously, it's well publicised about the, the system they play in the overlapping centre-halves, etc. So, um, you know, I think, think Wolves will be well prepared for what they're going to come up against. Um, psychologically, there's two teams, you know, going for European places. It's going to be a, a good game and, and one I'm looking forward to. How have they surprised you? Bearing in mind, you spent a couple of years there. You helped them to promotion. And from the outside pundits, we're, we're talking about a style of play that wasn't actually relevant to them. People that hadn't seen them play very much. And they surprised a lot of people. But did they surprise you? I think uh, in-house, the, the team and the squad were quite confident, you know, stepping into the, the, the Premier League. They, you know, they, they had a great season the year before, uh, fully deserved going up. And, and yeah, I think there was... You know, there's a there's an optimism within the club that you know we could pull off pull off a few upsets, and that's certainly proven to be the case. I think from the outside looking in, there's there's certainly been the surprise package along along with Wolves backing up their their good season last year. So yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a great game, like I say, and and one we're all looking forward to watching. Traore has been the key to Wolves really the past for the past few weeks and for long spells this season. But there's a bit of a debate at the moment as to whether you start him or or, or bring him off the bench. I mean, I, I don't know how much you've seen of Wolves post lockdown, but what's what, what's your take on that? Yeah, quite a bit. He's he's doing well for my fantasy team this year, Traore. Uh, <laughs> so um, yeah, no, he's been great, hasn't he? He's, he's such a threat. Um, he's providing goals and assists. I think that's where. You know, his game's gone on to another level now, hasn't it? Where his his end products improving all the time, and and yeah, he's he's certainly one for Sheffield United to to look out for. He can be, he can be that impact player off the bench, can he? Or or he can start from the from the start. It's it's, it's an interesting one for Nuno to decide on. Sheffield United actually dealt with him quite well in the first game. You know that they, they they played very deep and sort of gave him you know f- five ten yards. Is is that is that one of the best ways to stop him? Because you know there there aren't many other. Yeah, I think so. You've, with a player with such, um, you know, pace and power, he's, he's you either double up or you you give him uh, five yards. You know, you head start for yourself. It's he's certainly a player that you know is so difficult to mark. Uh, I was still at the club when um, Sheffield United played against Crystal Palace, and and you know the, a lot of the work was was around Zahar and how they were going to combat his um, you know his skills and talents and. I can see Sheffield United going down the same route with Traore in that, you know, at times you're going to have to double up. Uh, you're going to have to drop off and let him have the ball. And, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how Chris Wilder, you know, deals with Traore. If he even starts, of course. I mean, there is a school of thought that he's, he's actually better coming off the bench once the likes of Joshua and co have worn down the opposition. Yeah, I can see that. And, you know, no player would want to see Traore coming on. You know, with, with half an hour to go, you're already well into the game and a bit fatigued and, and you see him on the sideline coming on, yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know what you do. I think if, if you're Traore, you're wanting to start the game. So um, it's difficult for a player to be known as, a, as an impact at, at sub as such. So uh, I think for him, he'll be wanting to start. It's just whether Nuno, you know, sees what's best for the team, whether that's to bring him on with half an hour to go. 
Because he was highly involved against Arsenal, of course. I mean, he had an opportunity in the opening seconds. Um, But the sense that he's perhaps not as effective when he plays up front in a two as opposed to starting wide of a front three. If you're a centre-half, which of course you are, would you rather he was named up front sort of as part of a, you know, a duo because you know that that's not necessarily his best position? Or do you want him well out of the way? <laughs> if, if it was me, if it was me, I'd want him in the stands, never mind uh, coming up against him. I, I think as a centre-half, um, yeah, I'm, I mean, maybe it's not his, his natural position, but uh, the qualities he possesses um, and the ability to stretch and run in behind, uh, no defender likes that, whether he's whether he's down the middle or, or coming from wide. So, um, you know, he's such a potent threat wherever he is on the pitch, I suppose. It's, you know, if I'm Sheffield United, I'm I'm wanting to see him probably start from the bench and 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 then, you know, we're, we're dealing with him for, for less amount of time. But, um, you know, it's going to be an interesting one to see whether he, whether he starts at top, whether he's coming from wide or whether he's, he, like we said, he's coming from the, from the bench. So which of your which of your former two teams are you backing then, Steers? Or or you got you got? Oh, I've got to sit on the fence for this one. This surely. is a wolves this is a wolves podcast, mate. Come on. The Molyneux view <laughs> that the clue is in the name, Richard. Just saying. <laughs> um, no, I'm sorry, guy. I've got to stick with the draw. Although I can see either t- either team could nick it, but um, I just think with with Sheffield United picking up a little bit in the past, past couple of games sorry i think you know they're going to be a tougher test if if wolves had them maybe straight away after the after the lockdown i could see wolves wolves winning but um you know i think Sheffield United have come back come back strong in recent games so um, yeah, I can't see past the draw, really. Hope those splinters don't affect your performance against Reading. That's our only concern. <laughs> Thanks, Jackie. Get the physio with, with full PPE to remove them, boy. No, we don't blame you at all. Thank you so much. Really appreciate your time, especially in the circumstances. No bother, any time. You take care Thanks, and guys. I'm sure we'll get you back again. You Thanks, soon. Richard. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hello, I'm James Richardson, host of The Totally Football Show, now part of the Athletics Podcast Network. We're going to be here following all the action as the 2020 football season reaches its belated conclusion. And if you're an Athletics subscriber, you can now hear exclusive ad-free versions of our show on the Athletic app. And don't worry, if you're not a subscriber, you can still listen to us for free with the occasional word from our sponsor by searching for The Totally Football Show on Apple, Spotify and all the usual podcast places. The Totally Football Show with me, James Richardson, still totally free and now totally Totally ad-free on The Athletic. So Richard Stearman there going for a draw in that match. Do you think Nuno would see that as a disappointment following the Arsenal defeat? Or do you think he would have full respect for Sheffield United and realise that going there is perhaps worthy of, of being satisfied with a point? That is a good question. Or does it depend on how they play on the night? Because he keeps talking about performances rather than results being important. Whether he means it or not is another matter. Yeah, you're right. Evolution, etc. I completely get that. But with five games to go, if they want to play in the Champions League next season via league position, then they need to they need to win. Really, um, the stakes are so high now. I think I think Saturday proved how they're going to have to almost be perfect in the running now. Maybe they might have to actually be perfect if they're going to finish above a Man United team that's winning week after week and looking phenomenal. You know, one win from Leicester and the gap is back to six points. Gap to Chelsea, back to five. You know, th- these are very, very good football teams. And it just, yeah, Wolves are going to have to be almost perfect, I think, between now and the end of the season. But it is possible. Do you think it's bothering them the fact they don't know whether fifth place is going to be sufficient to warrant a Champions League place? Bearing in mind, we don't know the Manchester City appeal outcome yet. Is that an issue for them? It's a good point. So 
a couple of dates for your diary. Um, the Man City appeal has been heard on or been announced on Monday the thirteenth, so that's next Monday, as far as we know. Um, and also the draw for the Europa League is Friday, so that is the quarterfinals and the semi-final and the final. You know, the path to the final will be announced on Friday. Very exciting. Although Wolves, of course, have to get past Olympiacos first. We know that. And again, another thing to point out: we should know very soon whether that second leg is going to be at Molyneux. I'm almost certain it will be now. You know, you can go to Greece and come back, no quarantine issues. That's fine. So that should be at Molyneux. It's good enough for Boris Johnson's dad. It should be good enough. <laughs> right, has he been there, has he? You've been to Greece? Oh, yes, yeah, so he'd been all over the news. Yes, he, he flew there um, before any air bridge was announced and, and he put it on Instagram, which which didn't do his son any favours. Okay. Um, I don't No, I, I, I don't think so. I don't think, I don't think, I don't think not knowing Man City's fate is, is affecting them at all. I think, um, I think everyone assumes that Man City won't be in Europe next season. Um, and and Wolves are fighting for fifth, but they should be looking to fight for fifth anyway because it would mean straight into the Europa League group stages rather than, and I don't know what, what the hell's going to happen, if they get to the Europa League final and then they lose it and then they finished seventh or eighth and they're in the qualifiers for next season, it could be a few days later. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wow. it's just when does football oh my stop? Goodness. <laughs> it's um, they haven't said what, when the dates are for the Europa League qualifiers yet, but it will have to be around that time if the if the tournament properly is going to start in in good time. So, yeah, they want to avoid That's that. Nuts. Bear in mind, they kicked off on the twenty fifth of July last year <laughs> in the Europa League qualifiers. It's bonkers. They don't want to be going to to Crusaders and Armenia, you know, two weeks after losing the final, do they? So, yeah, they want to avoid that. Finish as high as they can, but yeah. Once keep an eye on, by Monday, we should know exactly what's going to happen. Let's have a look at the run-ins briefly, shall we? Because at the moment, Wolves are sixth in the table, three points behind Manchester United in fifth, and five points behind Chelsea in fourth, which would guarantee a Champions League place, regardless of what Man City are doing. I mean, this has been a blip in the road, but if they were to beat Sheffield United, they could be right back in amongst it. Manchester United are thought to have the most favourable run-in, something that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer disputes, bearing in mind the reverse fixtures against these sides and the results they had against them. They've got Aston Villa away, they've got Southampton at home, they've got Palace away, who don't score many goals at all, they've got West Ham at home, finishing up with Leicester away, which will be just as juicy as Wolves kicking off at Chelsea at exactly the same time on the final day of the season. I think I think they're in United. United look so good. They look serene. They look they look exceptional going forward. They're scoring goals. They're full of confidence. Solskjaer can talk about reverse fixtures all he likes, but they're, they're a different team now. And Bruno Fernandez is is and and Greenwood and Martial, but in particular Fernandez is, is he's improved those around him. They look a fantastic team at the moment. I think they're in personally. Um, I think Chelsea are the ones that are catchable. Yeah, Chelsea have got Crystal Palace away next, then Sheffield United away. Norwich home, Liverpool away, which will be interesting because Liverpool are looking to win uh, every single home Premier League match for the first time since Sunderland in about 1892. <laughs> and um, and then they've got um, Wolves, of course, at home on the final day. But I mean, Wolves fixtures, in case people aren't aware, they're probably listening to Wolves pod thinking, yeah, what are the Wolves fixtures? Um, Sheffield United away, of course, on Wednesday night, followed by Everton at home, Burnley away, Crystal Palace at home, and then that final match away to Chelsea. I guess from their point of view, they just they just don't want to have any regrets, do they? If they come up short, having given it absolutely everything, then it's been a phenomenal season no matter what. But they've got so close now, you just wouldn't want the season 
to peter out following that home defeat by arsenal you wouldn't expect yeah. it to would you but what is petering out if if they if they finish sixth? Oh, that was such a great achievement, considering the extra Europa, fifteen games they played in the Europa League this season, and and they've got the smallest squad in the league, and they and they still might improve on last season's position. That'd be a massive success for me. That everybody, every single person of a Wolves persuasion would have taken last August. However, what the what the what the break has done has pressed the reset button. And Wolves have had a decent run in and they're only a few points off Champions League and all of a sudden all the results started going their way and everybody started thinking, can it be done? I just hope it's not going to be viewed as a disappointment if they don't get in the Champions League because, well, hey, there's still another opportunity in the, in the Europa League, right? But looking at those run-ins, I mean, Leicester have got the toughest running of all, but I think they're probably uncatchable now judging on Wolves on the difference in goal difference between the two clubs. You know, Leicester's goal difference is 32 and Wolves is nine, so they're not going to catch that. So they need to overturn a seven-point deficit to overtake Leicester in five games. Personally, I don't see that happening. I think Wolves' best route via the league is is Chelsea, and I think if if they can match Chelsea's results for the rest of the season and stay five points behind as they are now, and then hope that Liverpool beat them in that penultimate game, so Wolves will be two points behind, and then they can go to Chelsea on the last day. And, and give it a bloody good go. Um, Spiders, I, I, I when you put it like that. That's, that's the thing. If they, if, they, if they can mm. keep pace with them, as they are now, five points behind, and then, yeah, a Liverpool Liverpool beat them penultimate game, which means Wolves are two points behind, and go to Stamford Bridge for a shootout, a Champions League shootout. Um, I think everyone would take that right now, and I think that's probably their, that's probably their best route to, uh, to scraping in there. And you're absolutely right. Whatever happens between now and the end of the season, I'm sure Wolves fans will know this anyway, but it has to be viewed from a much bigger picture that it's just been an incredible season, bearing in mind how many different fronts they've had to juggle the squad, small squad by design, yes, but it has been a case of improving on the previous season and having something to play for at every stage. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and I said just before lockdown, I was, I was asked a question on something about what's Wolves' best route to Champions League. I said I said via the Europa League and, and I stick by that, I think, you know, the, Given the quality of teams they're facing in that competition, there's nothing to be feared. They've got this one-week shootout format in Germany. Apart from Man United, I'd say everybody's um, Wolves will be favourites against almost anybody they played in that tournament. So we can't forget that. That's only next month. The soon can run quickly. Just give us an update, if you would, on Daniel Pedence. What's the situation with there with him there having flown home? Yeah, so he flew home shortly after the Villa game. Uh, seven or eight days ago uh, and then flew back to England on either Monday or Tuesday last week and obviously given quarantine rules particularly from Portugal which is you know not a favourable country to be travelling to in terms of coming back and quarantine um, in theory he's got to spend 14 days in isolation and then he'll be free to join up with the team again for the Burnley game next week so he'll miss Sheffield United He'll miss Everton at home on Sunday and he'll be back available for that Burnley game. However, um, government made an announcement on Sunday, I think, saying um, sports teams can be exempt from quarantine, which might give Wolves hope that he can come back sooner. But as he's been to Portugal, I'm not sure that that will change. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm no expert, I've got to say. But for the time being, he can't play until Burnley. And... Um, it's a personal issue, is, is how Nuno put it. A very personal issue. He had to dash back. It was approval was given for him to go. There's no problem there. Um, Wolves aren't expanded on that at all. Um, so, so, yeah, personal issues for Pedence. We hope him and his family are all okay. 
Now, as a listener of this podcast, you can start shaving with Harry's today by claiming your trial set for £3.95. Support our podcast and get your set delivered to you, including a razor handle, five-blade cartridge, foaming shave gel and travel blade cover by going to harrys.com forward slash view right now. That's harrys.com forward slash view. Now, a few tweets for you, Tim. Jonathan Giddings, do you think with the ambition of Champions League, people have forgotten how even getting Europa League football again next year would be an amazing achievement? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we, we touched on this earlier and, and it would be to, to finish finish fifth or sixth would be far beyond people's expectations for the season. Bear in mind, the six at the moment, Arsenal three points behind them. It's all very tight in there and Sheffield United four points behind them. By the time some people are listening to this, there might be one point behind them. So there's still a heck of a lot to play for. Yeah, I guess that was another issue with Saturday is that it was damaging for Wolves, but it's given Arsenal a bit of a leg up, hasn't it, in terms of they'll think Wolves are catchable now. Yeah, absolutely. Wolves first. Is our long-standing slow start to games going to create an issue with moving up to the next level? Yeah, definitely. Again, we, t- we touched on this earlier. You know, you, you can't be you can't be a 45-minute team. You know, Wolves have got around that this season with exceptional comebacks and, and late goals and great second halves. But... Yeah, going for you can't be the worst first half team in the league and reasonably expect to achieve something very special. You know they've managed to overcome that this season, but no, definitely not next year. B Townley, do you think Nuno would ever stray from the three centre back setup? Oh, I don't know. No, no, certainly not. Not while Connor Cody's roaming the planet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and certainly not tomorrow. Bramwell Lane is—they've played it every day in training for three years. They know it like the back of their hand. That's a massive part of their success. If he's going to rip that up and start playing four at the back, it's very risky. However, as we said earlier, does he need to do that if Wolves are going to evolve and become more of a, a an attacking team? They've got to have a number 10 at some point. I, I'm not sure you can get away with that one these days if you want to be a top, top team. Paul Wharton, transfer policy. Should we continue to unearth rough young diamonds to polish or should we have a summer of getting some match-ready squad depth? I'm not sure they can afford it, to be honest. You know, given they've spent £200 million in the last two summers, I, I, I don't think they can afford to go out and spend... Hundred million on two or three players plus all the wages. Yeah, absolutely. Unless they're selling, and, and with everything that's going on at the moment, and they're trying to save or put money aside for a stadium redevelopment. You know, there's so much to spend money on. Um, unless they're going to sell, of course. You know, unless unless they do cash in for Jimenez or Traore, while while oh my god, your eyes on Zoom. That's hilarious. That's scary. Bloody hell! I don't want to see that again. <laughs> Sell Raul Jimenez. What on earth are they going to do? If they sell Raul Jimenez, the one man who scores goals for them without any kind of backup already. You look like the demon headmaster then. That was absolutely terrifying. (laughs) Um. (laughs) We haven't really thought too much about selling. We've talked about a little bit about, you know, Raul kind of hinted and his dad did an interview he didn't have to do uh, with Manchester United um, being in the headlines. But, um, yeah... You don't. You don't get the impression that anyone's itching to go. No, no, you, no, you don't. And I did a piece on Jimenez last week, saying he's been flirting with other teams, which is what he has been. He hasn't been. He hasn't been closing down the issue in in um, in the interviews he's been doing back home. But um, but the, hey, there's an argument to be said. He's 29. He's probably worth at least 50 million now. If you, if you're ever going to get money for him, now's the time to do it. There is that argument. However, it'd be such a massive disruption and replacing him will be so difficult that I'm not sure they'll look to do that. Exactly. It's more the type of player he is. It's that Harry Kane yeah. type of player and they don't grow on trees, the ones who can link up play, right foot, left foot, bring others into play and finish. Header, 
Um, he's so good in the air as well as, as being good on both sides. So it's not just a case of signing a striker, is it? It's very much a certain type of player that makes the entire team tick. Yeah, and any player that can do what Jimenez does, as you say, link the play and score all the Wolves' goals, they're not going to be um, uh, unknown. Everyone's going to know about them, so they're going to cost a lot of money to buy. So um, I, I still think they'll continue to spend in, in the 10, 20 million pound bracket on players that have a potential and a, a high ceiling in terms of potential. It's, it's, it's worked for them so far. It's worked, it's worked brilliantly, impeccably for three years. I, I don't see that they'll stray away from that. Any other Mexican strikers sitting on Benfica's bench at the moment who would uh, rather love a move to Wolverhampton? Seems to be quite a good recruiting ground, if you ask me. Uh, ben Bridges, if Man United win Europa League and finish in the top four, what happens with allocated prize of Champions League football? Does it go to the losing finalist or an extra place in the domestic league? No, no. So um, if Man United finish fourth and win the Europa League, then you don't get an extra Champions League place in the league. The only occasions where you have five uh, teams from England in the Champions League is if Man United won the Europa but finished outside of the Champions League places. So in a normal year, as in when Man City aren't being banned, if United finish fifth as they are now and win the Europa League, then the top five go into the um, go into the Champions League, but they don't create an extra place via league position. Good question. Though. Finally, this is the best question of the lot. Paul Lappage, who would win in a game of darts, you or Jackie? Oh, game what? on! <laughs> uh, I don't know. You, you you can present it, but you're only good at playing it. Uh, no, not really. Well, I <laughs> right. think I am when I've had a few gin and tonics. But as I found out on Saturday night to take my mind off football. Um, we had a great night. We've got a summer house with a dartboard in and um, brilliant, brilliant night with some friends over. You don't need a pub when you've got a dartboard at home, do you? So, um, um, but that was my husband that won the game for us. So we did win, but probably just with me commentating rather than actually participating in any meaningful way. Well, what's your, can you hit any hit any treble 20s? Uh, any, any 180s? Not on purpose. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can hit them all. I can hit everything, just not intentionally. So um, the you answer can... to your question, Paul, is that Tim would win. That is the answer. But I think we should play. We should definitely play next time you're down. We'll record the pod. You can hit a treble 20, but not if, but not yeah, if you're that, aiming for it. That's exactly it. Um, thank you, Tim. Thank you. It's been fun, and thank Come you on. also. Pos- pos- positivity. Come on, we're g- going to get back on it. I'm absolutely convinced. Absolutely convinced. Talking about football now or darts? <laughs> it's um, honest. I, I, I think they're going to win on Wednesday. I'm, I'm calling it right now. Do you? And all the people who, all the people who are listening to this podcast on Thursday morning, are throwing darts at their iPhones. At, at me, I don't even care anymore. At me, fine. Throw, throw me your abuse, your criticism. Wolves are going to win on Wednesday. Mark my words. Our thanks again to Richard Stearman for being an absolute legend. Coming on the Molyneux View for the second time. Absolutely wonderful. We'll get him on again soon. That's it for the Molyneux View. Do not forget, please, to subscribe to theathletic.co.uk forward slash Wolves pod. If you sign up now, you get a 30-day free trial. That's theathletic.co.uk forward slash Wolves pod. What are you working on this week, Tim? Oh, good question. What am I working on? Um, I've got a couple of couple of ideas in mind for Wednesday's game, depending on how that goes. And I'm doing a bit of a feature on Wolves' sort of mini, mini Portugal. You know, there's so many Portuguese players and staff at the club and, and how that helps them settle and what they'll do together, stuff like that. So hopefully people find that interesting. OK, well, thank you, everybody. Thank you, Tim. And we'll be back next Tuesday on your regular podcast platform. Bye for now. 